Welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sal Interdonado. The Black Knight Nation podcast is hosted, is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a world class kids. Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sal Interdonado. The Black Knight Nation podcast is hosted, is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a world. Higher Echelon is a world-class consulting firm that trains employees in sports psychology secrets that drastically improve work performance. Founder Joe Ross is retired Army who played and later coached for the cadets and puts that experience to use for his clients. Uh, we thank uh, Joe Ross for sponsoring this podcast. We're sorry for the audio there. And we'd like to welcome in our special guest, uh, Rob Healy. Rob, thanks for joining us tonight. Really appreciate your time. Uh, it's my pleasure, Sal. Thank you for all you do for Army football. I really appreciate it over all these years. Thanks. Uh, I know that we we when I was on the beat, uh, we might have exchanged some emails or maybe I uh, might have bumped into you maybe once um, at one of those Army football uh, club functions. Uh, really appreciate you having me on. And, man, wanted to talk to you. Usually how we start these podcasts is basically how it all started for you at West Point and how um, you were able to um, – get to West Point first and then your, fo- your football career. Um, how, how, how does how do you end up at West Point? How did it all, how did it all start off for you? Well, um, I guess I got to credit my, my brother in a way. Um, so my brother uh, was one year older than I was and he uh, went to the Air Force Academy. So when I was getting, I went to high school out in California, Arcadia, California, the mighty Arcadia Apaches. Um, and um i started getting recruited um by various schools and um you know maybe or maybe not i don't know how i would have reacted with an academy recruiting me but because of my brother and going to the air force academy i knew a lot about um or maybe enough to be dangerous about the academies and i wasn't afraid of an academy and also i kind of wanted to maybe have my own footsteps and not just go where my brother went so um when army started recruiting me i was very open-minded to it i wanted to take a recruiting trip to new york i thought that was cool we were from a family didn't have a lot of money i hadn't been to new york um and so i took a recruiting trip and then i wasn't ready for what happened i just like it really got to me the whole you know walking around west point the history the service mentality for you know one's country putting your country above yourself um you know the people i met the coaches it just you know really captured a young 18 year old kid's imagination i guess and i was hooked and i came home and i told my mom um hey i'm going to west point i think she was shocked many of my teachers were shocked i was kind of an independent california kid if you will and suddenly i'm you know headed off to West Point. So that's how it happened. Wow. And then uh, I guess uh, we, we were talking a little bit before the uh, before we started the podcast about like Beast Barracks and and before you become a football player, right? Um, right. The introduction to West Point. W- what was that like for you? And I, you know, you hear you hear stories of the past with players, you know, coming right out of Beast Barracks to the practice field. That's changed a little bit now with army and even coming out of military training, you know, after you, after your plebe year and going right to the football field, that's changed a lot with summer classes under Jeff Muckin. But what was that like for you? And what was that a little bit of adjustment for you or did you kind of, uh, uh get pretty much, uh, adjust to that right away? I, uh, it was a pretty big adjustment. I mean, I, I was definitely, I was from a single, you know, parent 
home being raised by just my mom. Um, and uh, it was a big job. So we were pretty, you know, free. She was a policewoman, so she was at work a lot. So we were pretty free to do what we want. And then suddenly every second of one's time is managed by somebody. It was a, it was a major league adjustment for me. Um, but, you know, I, you just kind of go with the flow and adjust. And um, I remember, by the way, the first cadet I met when I came to West Point was Rick Dowk, um, who's, you know, Army DB standing there. He was the man, not he wasn't the man in the red sash, but he was wearing a red sash when I met him. And he just looked like Adonis, you know. I thought, wow, this guy's, you know, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, good looking guy, stud. Um, so I just kind of wanted to be him um, and, you know, hung in there and, so the plebe year was kind of just hanging in there. And then later on, you you wanted to do more than just hang in. You wanted to accelerate and do well. So, but it was a how big did, change. How did, how did things work out for you on the football field? How do you, uh, your freshman year and how, how, how does your introduction to Army football go? Well, freshman year, it was the year before uh, Coach Young. Um, so Army was really struggling. Um, and, um, but but it was a drop back and scramble type of an offense and that worked very well for me that's why i was recruited for there were nine nine i guess i was a shock there were nine quarterbacks um nine freshman quarterbacks when i showed up and some of them a lot bigger and taller than i was and i was just like wait a minute i thought i thought you just recruited me you know <laughs> um or maybe i thought maybe two or three but i wasn't ready for nine um and i just kept battling and hanging in there and um i ended up starting for the for the jv team and at various different points in time in the season i was like maybe got as high as third string on varsity i never i did travel to a couple of varsity games but i never um never got in on varsity as a freshman and then um i i fact i think i got injured in a in a jv game later in the year so that kind of um took the opportunity of any varsity play off the table I, I was talking to uh, a guy who you, who you know rather well, Ron Rice, uh, one of your teammates. Uh, he was a center uh, for you, and he was telling me about how you your game back then would be very effective now in Army's offense, um, more more so um, running the football as well as throwing the football, almost being that dual threat quarterback. What 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 do you, do you think that do you agree with him? Do you think that your game? Um, back then is is equivalent to the to what they're doing right now or how do you see the off were the offenses that are they that much different now well it's it's an interesting question i i don't know i feel like these guys today are like you know rock stars and have gone way beyond what what we were doing but i guess i do know one thing is that i was you know a thrower so by the way you know my sophomore year there was a certain list of quarterbacks and it was a drop back attack and that year we were two and nine and threw the heck out of the ball and boom, we go to the wishbone and not one quarterback was the same guy, only, only me. And they brought in all these like wishbone studs like Nate Sassman and what have you. But what I learned is um, that the wishbone could be very, very effective when you mirror it with a passing attack. If you look at Army's offense under Makeda, um, you know, Ronnie Makeda, you saw a lot of that. And then my senior year, we we threw the ball quite a bit more, and we scored a lot of points. Um, 
And we, I mean, look, we had great running backs. I had in the backfield, uh, you know, Clarence Jones, Bill Lampley, and Doug Black. I mean, it may be one of the best, um, you know, three backfield, may, maybe ever at Army. It's crazy how good they were. Um, but we we could run and throw, and it made for a very um, successful attack. Today, you know, it matters what year we're talking about. They, they don't throw as much today as we did. They don't throw as much as Makeda did. But I, I, I don't think, you know, if I'm, I'm guessing with Jeff Munkin or, or Brent Davis, you know, it's not it's not because they wouldn't. Um, if they had the, you know, certain personnel, I, I think they'd probably do that because it's it can be, you know, you see when Army throws and when they execute, they are very effective with it. Talking, uh, I was talking yesterday to uh, an Army grad, and we were just talking about the season coming up and the weapons that they have in, in their offense. And, yeah, they have a, a, the, the fullback stable is strong once again. The quarterbacks are deep as maybe it's ever been at West Point. And then you look at a guy like a Terrell Robinson, their slot back, who's going to be a sophomore, and like, man, if I'm, I'm not, I've never called a play in my life, Rob, but if I'm Army, the first <laughs> series against Georgia State this week, I found the I find a way to get him on the edge and make that defense be aware that Terrell Robinson can be a game breaker. That's just me. So yeah, I, I gotta tell you, as soon as I saw that young man last year and I saw him just um you know run a couple of plays, I, I was kind of like, wow, like I have not seen an athlete like this. We've we've seen some great running backs, but but that but he's a special kind of an athlete with you know, a lot of lateral movement capability where he can really make people miss. And I think it's going to be exciting to watch him develop. Um, you know, they had a lot of guys back there last year. And so maybe Terrell didn't get the ball as much as is maybe we all would have thought. Um, but, um, you, you know, he's going to be a big part of their attack um, going forward. I mean, he just has to be he's a special guy. And yeah, we were, we were talking about the, the quarterback situation. It, it's just stunning to me, like how many um, very capable quarterbacks they have who've played, who have experience, who've done well. Um, you just don't normally have that. And so that's, I, I know, you know, Coach Munkin's talked about it in almost every article and they've got to feel very fortunate. Uh, they, they could probably put, you know, five different guys on the field and do very well, maybe more. I, I don't know. There's probably plebes coming in that are, that are capable too. So um, God only knows, but, but it's yeah. incredible deep there. Yeah. I think that while we're on the topic of quarterbacks, just real quick, while we're talking about the current army quarterbacks, I think that you have to give a lot of credit to the quarterbacks coach, Cody Worley, right? Because last yeah. year, especially during COVID when you're rotating quarterbacks back and forth, I mean, what a job he did with that group. And I don't know if he gets enough credit for the success that they had last year, but certainly deserves a shout out for, just being, I, I've just talking to the current quarterbacks that are there now. They they hold held him hold him very high. It was only his first year at West Point last year too. It's it was, it's, it's it's incredible. I mean, it's a great <laughs> job, and and every one of those guys came in and executed. There wasn't one of those like five guys that came in and played where you were kind of like, oh no, you know, he's turning the ball over. He can't run the offense. I mean, they just kept rolling him in, and. Um, that, that is hard to do as a coach. I I, I coach out here, and um, to have that many guys ready to play and play at a high level is just amazing. So great, great um, props to him. And I'm sure he's probably got his hands full this year trying to get all those guys reps in practice. I don't know how they're doing that, but, uh, um, you know, I'm sure they're finding a way. 
I don't know either. Coach Monk at the beginning of the preseasons, like he he wanted to give everybody like a fair share that was coming back. And I guess, you know, once you get to game week, you, you know, you have the guys who are going to get a little bit more than others, but to split it up almost six ways in practice. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know how you divide that up. I'm I'm sure uh, they found a way. And uh, we're really looking forward to seeing what they're, they're going to bring to the field on Saturday against Georgia, Georgia State. Um, if we can go back to your um, football career a little bit, sure. What do you think stands out for you? As I know, the, you know the um, the Peach Bowl is is probably a memory of yours that you'll never forget. Are there any? We'll get to that in a little bit. But are there any games that stand out for you um, other than the Peach Bowl uh, as far as a really fond memories for you? Well, um, yeah, uh, probably two others that just come to mind right away, which is. Um, my junior year, um, Nate Nate Sassman got hurt against Syracuse, and we we came back the next week. Which it was just a huge game um, against Air Force at night at Mikey. First game ever um, at Mikey, and the um, and so I he was out. Uh, he had broken ribs, so I started and played. We actually he came in for like two plays in that game, which is kind of a funny story, but. Um, um so you know the pressure was on me it was a big game um it was kind of key in determining our bowl status and um you know i i had one of the better games of of my career and um we had a lot of drives not all of them ended up in the end zone stopa i think kicked five field goals that night um and we had a heck of a, a game and my brother who was a senior at air force that year he was there um so it was a very very special game for me and that's that it may stand out above all other games um i don't know it's a heck of a fun game and then um you know my senior year i don't know if you've heard about this game sal but um we played memphis right after they tied alabama at mikey and a storm hit um the night before and it, it was not well not the night before it was right before the game and the snow was coming down so hard they they could not get the snow off the field and so all they could do was shovel the sidelines um so you could barely see the sidelines and they had cones out there to try to see the yard markers it was it was crazy it was like nothing i've ever played in in my entire life um and you know so it's, i would say 12 plus inches of snow on the field while we're playing and we we absolutely blew out Memphis. Um, it was crazy. Um, Charlie Moses, who actually died shortly after graduating in a in a helicopter accident, he came out to warm ups and he was wearing um, for some reason he wore grass cleats, and he told Coach Young, um, "Hey, Coach, I can I have grip in these grass cleats." And we were all wearing turf and we were slipping around because the snow got impacted up in the turf cleats. So Coach Young, he changed everything instantaneously. He told everybody to go to the locker room. There was going to be no pregame talk. Everyone changed their shoes. And Memphis didn't bring grass cleats. They knew they were playing on turf. And we had traction, and they didn't. And they were like on on ice skates. I mean, it was – we just blew them – you know, we, we destroyed them. Um, and, um, you know, we had we ran for a lot of yards, threw for a lot of yards. Everybody was happy, and we and we blew them out. So that that game was just such a fun game. Snow in the face mask, snow in the helmet. Yeah. It was it was crazy. So maybe those two. 
Yeah, I was present for that snow game, I think 2012 against Fordham, uh, right in uh, late October. And I thought that was, Rob, I thought that was the only snow game in Army history at Mikey Stadium. And I was, com- I'm completely wrong by that. You, ch- you changed you, you change my knowledge of that. I appreciate I that. was, so. I was at that game. And I can tell you, yes, there was a ton of snow during that game. This Memphis one, look back in the archives, there was more snow then. It was, cr- it was, wow. it was insane. I, I, I really have never seen, I don't know if I've ever seen a football game even played with that much snow on the field. I just, it was crazy. Anyway, it was fun. I uh, I've I've told this story a couple times. I didn't get out of West Point that night. The trees were down. Um, that I didn't get out of the press box late, and I slept in the press box that night. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, that was uh, that was. I mean, I think I slept on the press box floor. I could be wrong. Maybe in one of those chairs that rolls around that you can't really get comfortable in. But uh, oh man, yeah, yeah that's what. Yeah, I mean. That, that's one of my top 10 experiences as an army football beat writer, no doubt. So I yeah, mean, and you, yeah. had, you had your own snow game story. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, talk, talk about that, the end of that senior year for you and, you know, the, the, the Navy game and then leading up to the, um, the peach bowl. Well, the Navy game was, was brutal because I got hurt in it on a, on a play on the goal line and um, just looking at my shoulder. And it was just obviously very upsetting. We were, we were a very good team um, that certainly expected to win that game. Uh, it was close, but we didn't win it. So no excuse, right? That's what West Point teaches you. Um, but, you know, fortunately, there was quite a bit of time between the Navy game and the bowl game. Um, and so I couldn't really practice for a week or two there. But but I got to practice and I, I was able to, to play in the game. And then the Peach Bowl... I, I was, uh, you know, fit to be tied. I was pretty fired up. Um, the whole team was before the game. We were, you know, there were some comments made about how they, they were going to run us off the field and what have you. And so the Army team and led by, uh, you know, our captain, Kirk Gutierrez, um, who made a comment at the pregame um, yeah. um, get-together, was basically like, you know, we're coming for you. And if you know Kirk Gutierrez, um, when yep. you hear that from him, it, it can be pretty intimidating. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was a war of a game. The deep defense played out of their minds. Um, young kid, Peel Chronister, filled in, not so young anymore, but filled in for on an injury that we had and had, you know, I think two interceptions. And then he knocked the ball um, on the last play of the game, knocked the ball out of David Thompson's hand from, he, he took a pass and they went, they tried to win the game, go for, go for two. And, um, and he knocked the ball in their hand. And so that was it. We, we won the game. So it was, it was tremendous. And it was, it was crazy because, um, you know, it was a, it had rained in Atlanta and it was in that old Fulton County stadium. And so it was really a mud bowl and uh, a lot of crazy things happen when it's that, muddy you know um one funny story is that at halftime everything i was wearing was soaked through and through Uh, my socks my shoes everything so i it was a lot of weight uh, with the water even the shoulder pads so good old gene gene benner and and the equipment man at the time moose um they changed everything i was wearing shoes socks underwear you know pads um so i came out in the second half light and clean and ready to go and warm which was a good thing too so um 
I think that probably helped helped me a little bit, um, being just you know take twenty pounds off my back and be able to run. So, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And then of course the the, the joke that um, Coach Young makes about the game is that you know he tells me Healy, you, you didn't you didn't throw a pass in the game practically. You know the only guys that threw passes were uh, Jones and Lampley um, on pitch passes, and we we scored on both of those. Scott Spellman caught one. And uh, Benny White caught another one. So it was a, and to have the gumption to um, call two pitch passes, you know, it was just an incredible game called by Coach Young. And I don't know if anybody, people don't really know inside of the game, Coach Young moved the read on the wishbone. He kept moving the read. Um, so he'd run inside uh, triple option and outside triple option where we were changing who had what responsibility on the defense. And it really messed Illinois up. You could hear them yelling at each other. And I, I told Coach Young after the game, I'm like, okay, I don't know if everybody knows, but I know what you did. I know the game you called. And, you know, he probably deserved the MVP. He called an incredible game. Uh, so it was great. It was fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, what what a memory. Uh, just, I mean, when when you think back, just the details that you uh you have you still have from that game, right? I mean, and um, I guess the Peach Bowl MVP, um, is it a plaque trophy or do you still ha- you still have that somewhere really close? Or? It, it's a, it's a trophy. It's actually in this office. It's a trophy. The arm is missing on it. Um, the arm got whacked off. So <laughs> maybe that's appropriate for the number of injuries I had while I was at at Army, but um. Yeah, it's a great it's a great memory. Um, you know, I just one of my fondest memories. You mentioned Ron Rice earlier was watching Ron Rice and Donnie Smith running and diving in the mud and sliding after the game, um, just celebrating. And you know that was it for us. Um, you know, none of us, even though uh, I'd say Donnie Smith probably could have played pro football if they had the rules that they have now, and maybe Craig Stopa too. But that was it. We, you know, yeah. that was our last game. We never, never played again. So it's sort of seared, seared into your mind, you know, those last memories. I, I remember I covered the 2010 Armed Forces Bowl and Army uh, BSMU then. And you had the same thing. You had seniors that were going out in their final game. And at that point, they didn't have the history against Navy. Navy they, were, they weren't able to beat Navy at that point. So having like guys like Steve Anderson go out as, you know, um, a winner in a bowl game. I mean, there's, there's no, I don't think there's any better, anything better than that in your career, right? Rob, to have that final game in a postseason atmosphere and then the, be a winner and like just the celebration afterwards must've been like insane. Well, it was, it was spectacular. It was, it was really fun. Um, you know, Atlanta put on, I mean, they know how to put on a bowl game. I'll tell you that they put on a great bowl game, a great time for us. And then, the night after it was it was New Year's night after the game. And um, side note, the 86 Bears were practicing in Atlanta um, hmm. for the Super Bowl. Um, and so I, we went to this nightclub in Atlanta, Confetti's it's called. I don't know, probably still there. And my brother as a character saw uh, McMahon and McMichael walking into Confetti's and he ran over to him and he said, hey, did you watch the Peach Bowl today? And they said, yeah, yeah. And they go, well, that's my brother. And he was the quarterback and la, la, la. And they said, well, well get, come with us. And so we walked into Confetti's um, with McMahon and McMichael and Dan Hampton and, and hung out the whole night with them and had a blast. And so, you know, you add all this craziness up of 
the game and the, the trip down there and winning and, you know, I think the team played very well in all facets, um, you know, not just not just peel on the defense, but the whole defense played well, made some big sacks on Trudeau by Jim Brock and Bobby Kleinapple and those guys. And you add all that that memory up. It's it's quite a quite a memory. I'll I'll, I'll take it to my grave. Not uh, being a follower of Army football back then, I was younger, but just to hear that game and just uh, what went into that game, I think that that might be a game that doesn't get maybe enough credit in, in Army in Army history. Yeah, there's all these stories. Army, Army's history, football history spans so long, right, Rob? Yeah, yeah. And it's a game that might be, you know, yeah, it's a bowl win, but maybe th- hasn't really gotten – I'm, gl- I'm so glad that you've come on and, and shed some light on that game because – uh, I actually have had uh, Kirk Atiras on on this podcast. I've all I've had Scott Spellman on this podcast, and they talk about the the history and the, and yeah. the games. And I just think that right now, um, people Army fans are so into the current product of Army football, right? But there's yeah. so much past. And, and to me, Rob, it's not necessarily the national championships and the Heisman trophies of of the 40s and the undefeated seasons of the fifth of 58. Yeah, that's a great part of the history, but there was a lot of stuff, a lot of good that happened too in between there and now. So, um, I, I really appreciate it. So, so, so much good in, insight to to that game and you know, before and after. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of good, a lot of good stories to tell, no doubt. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And that, that continuum, I mean, in my mind, it's the it's the continuum of Army football where I can go talk to a guy like Stitchway or or Pete Dawkins or whatever. And then, you know, I'm talking to Kurt and then I'm talking to young guys. Like, you know, he's not so young anymore, but like Andrew Juski or, or Rick Roper or guys that I know and that are friends of mine. And then even, you know, I just got a letter from Christian Anderson from the team this year, just mm-hmm. um, talking about, you know, the history of army football, what a special letter that was, by the way, what a wonderful young man he is. Um, so, um, you know, that continuum, that brotherhood, Sal is, I, I don't know what to say. It's it's really what it's all about. It's very special. It's um, like nowhere else. Um, and uh, we all cherish it. I know that we cherish it. Yeah, Christian is uh, one of those quarterbacks in, in, in position to potentially be the starter uh, in Saturday's opener. Um, now, you um, after your career is over, you did you do some GA coaching at Army or what, what happened after your, your football career was over? Yeah, so um, I spent nine years in the Army after, um, and um, the first year I was a GA coach. I, I, and since I was there where they implemented the wishbone, I, it was fun. I got, I got quite a bit of responsibility because not everybody was familiar with the wishbone at the time, and, and obviously I was because um, I had to run it for you know, two years there. So that was fun. Enjoyed it quite a bit. And then I came back. So I, I went out, I was an um, aviator, commanded a, a helicopter squadron um, in, in the Army, in Korea, and in California, and then in Panama. Um, and then went back, uh, the Army sent me to business school, so I went back to Harvard and got an MBA. And then I came back, actually, to, to West Point, and uh, was, I taught in the social department, economics and finance, and I also uh, coached then, again, for Bob Sutton. Um, so had two little stints of coaching there. And then, and then I got out of the military after my time at West Point. What, what do you remember? Uh, you know, I talked to um, ex football players about what they learned on the football field and how it translated into, you know, leading troops and being in charge of um, 
of a, a you know of, of troops and soldiers uh, how do you think did that help could you tell that that really helped you out your experience as an army football player when you were um out there in the lead so to speak yeah well it really goes back to you know maybe two individuals for me jim young and, and charlie taff and i don't know if you, you saw charlie recently passed away which is just a real shame but um you know charlie was a very uh, demanding coach um yet loving you know at the same time but a tough man um and uh you know i think if people probably commented on how i acted business they'd probably say i'm pretty demanding but i i do try to be loving too um uh, similar to charlie um and with coach young is a is a lot of things but um you know one of the things that i love about coach young he always set the example himself um he never asked us to do anything he wouldn't do uh, he was incredibly mentally tough and resilient, and I think you need that. Um, and then, you know, just the whole mental game. I'll give you one example. So, you know, he wanted less turnovers, and he talked about it constantly. He he made the quarterbacks take on, you know, kind of the anti-fumble mantra as part of our personalities. I mean, we were carrying footballs around with each other all the time. I mean, not just in practice and slapping at the ball and, you know, yelling at each other, ball control, ball control. And, you know, so our senior season, I think we we led the nation in fewest turnovers. I, I believe that's correct. I was told that. I, I'm not sure if that's true. But um, and, it, and it just all stemmed from Coach Young and his, um, you know, his mental focus on the game, which he always used to say, if you can conceive it and believe it, you can achieve it. And I think that conceive and con conceive and belief part were incredibly important to him. The whole visualization process, and and I, I definitely have taken on those beliefs later on in life, and um, you know try to emulate some of the things he did because I think he was such a spectacular leader. Would have been a general if he would have been a leader in the army. Um, you know, just just that kind of a talented special man. I was, uh, I, I know talking to other ex players who also, you know, commanded uh, units um, after their football time. Usually, uh, some of them have bumped into, you know, former teammates out it, while they're serving. It, did you, do you have any stories with that? Were there any guys that were your teammates that you were able to uh, serve with while you were in, while you were in the, um, the military? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was in Korea. I was with Clarence Jones, just lived right across the street from him. And then uh, in Panama, I think I ran into Rob Olses and Mike Sear, defensive lineman on the 84 team. And then um, I was sent later after Panama to go evaluate Rob Olses's unit in Hawaii. He was an aviation uh, company commander also. And um, it's a long story for another time, but um, the helicopter I was on, got in a crash. I wasn't flying, thank God. Um, I was in the back, which in some ways is more terrifying, but got in a crash in the middle of the evaluation. So Olsas and I will never forget that whole event as as the helicopter mowed its way into the jungle. But uh, everybody was okay. Everybody lived. No serious injuries. So it was, it was all good. What, what do you think? Like you said, after nine years in the military, you... Uh you left the military and you started uh started a business career you had already went to harvard right and then you were uh teaching at west point also uh how do you yes. think that that 
the, the, the transition for you? Was it kind of a free flowing transition where, where what you learned, um, you know, in the military at West Point and at Harvard, it, like you said, you, you might've been, a, you might, you might be a tough, tough, uh, tough uh, <laughs> business person, but you know, you, you kind of learned a little bit from uh, Jim Young, right? So. Well, I did. I went, so I went right from, you know, being an army officer down to Wall Street and was an investment banker um, in the go-go 90s. So um, I certainly wasn't leading anything when I got to Wall Street. I was a minion and got my little tail kicked down there drinking from a fire hose for for really two or three years um, and worked like a dog, I will tell you. Um, So... um, I think I maybe perseverance is the, is what I took from that part of my uh, career and, and and hopefully a willingness to learn because I I, I definitely learned more in, in my life in a shorter period of time maybe than ever when I was an investment banker. Um, but then later on, um, I think you know as I so I, I I left investment banking I went to what's called the buy side private equity where we we buy and sell and build companies. And um, as you do that, you're leading and dealing with high performance teams. And I think a lot of the lessons from from Coach Young, Coach Taft, and my teammates and, and from Army football have come into play. In fact, I would credit nothing more um, in my career development than Army football. Army football gets the number one um, credit for sure uh, when it comes to so many things, um, resilience being a big one, you know, because because you're going to have you're going to get knocked down in the business world, and you just got to keep getting back up and trying to learn from your mistakes, and um, you know that's been a big reason I think why you know I've I've iterated with a number of private equity funds, and the re- most recent one is is probably the best and most successful one because hopefully we've been learning along the way, and. Um, and army football obviously playing a huge role in that. So, yeah, when you say you you got a letter from a current player, Christian Anderson, yeah, just wondering maybe if um, what 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 advice might you give like guys who are going to be graduating West Point and some of them who have recently graduated West Point and when their service time is up, they decide they want to go into the business world. And is there any kind of a, advice that you could you could give um? you know, uh, former players out there now or guys that are going to graduate soon? Well, um, a few things. One is I thought the MBA helped me a lot because it kind of took me from an officer, you know, in the military world and understanding that world to, you know, a leader in the, not, not maybe a leader, but just being introduced to the business world without being quite so naive about it. Because I, I at Harvard, I was around very successful business people for two years straight. And even if you're not the brightest guy like myself, um, you know, you absorb uh, quite a bit from your classmates, just like at, at West Point, I absorbed for, at, at Harvard and my instructors or whatever. So I learned a lot. I think that helped me um, with the transition into the, uh, into the business world. You know, I say maybe a willingness, like I said earlier, a willingness to learn because you're going to have to learn a lot in a hurry. And then you you get that get to a point where, you know, it's time for you to take risk and and push and try to do things and create in the business world. So I'd say, you know, don't be afraid at some point in time to go out there and push 
push yourself, your situation, and take risk. Because you know, in the business world, if you want to get ahead, you you have to take a certain amount of risk, and you have to believe in yourself, have confidence, and if if you just want to, you know, kind of have a state and play career, um, and you go somewhere very safe, I think um, that's fine. But the upside is less with that, uh, and you have to risk to to see success. And um, you know, I think I if if nothing else, I think I did take risks along the way and most of them panned out you know we have a comment that will be posted shortly uh from someone roski 21 that says don't forget about the flag football game against navy <laughs> i uh, that's gotta be andrew juski um for ruski um i'm not sure i've played in a few alumni um you know kind of um flag or, football games against Navy. Um, I think he's talking about the one in um, in the Meadowlands that we played in against Phil McConkie and other Navy guys. And um, I will say, Andrew Juski made a catch in that game. It's one of the greatest catches I've ever seen anywhere, college, NFL, whatever. And so I think he wants me to bring that up. <laughs> uh, he did make it. The catch was um, just insane. The diving shoestring bomb that he caught. And by the way, we did spank Navy in, in both those wow. games, including the one against Staubach out here in Southern California. So um, it's always good to beat Navy one way or the other, even if we didn't get them in, in 85. I was going to ask you about that. Maybe there was a little bit of redemption there from. Yeah, from, from no, no, I don't, I don't hold a grudge at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Well, maybe we can um, just uh, talk about um, Army has uh, put out this uh, project for. Uh, restoring uh mikey stadium uh right there on the less reservoir side they want to um gonna renovate the stadium you know mikey stadium you put you can put mikey stadium on any pole as far as a sports venue as one of the most historic one of the must see must get to um venues and i i know that you you were uh involved in um a donation to that to the restoration pro, uh, project. Uh, just talk about. I mean, this is a field that you shared a lot of memories on back when you played, right, Robin? Now it's kind of. Um, I guess it's going to get a little bit of an update coming up. Yeah, well, it's the you know it's the uh, the visitor side stands over there, um, and if you've ever been down underneath there, uh, you know they've been around a while. I'll just say the locker room down there. They may have renovated it since when I was down there, but it's a little rough, um, and. So with this incredible venue that they already have, you know, they came up with this idea to to make it really kind of world class with with a complete redo with suites over there and um, kind of a uh, look through club that, that looks both both out on the field and on the Lust Reservoir. It's pretty stunning, and also I think eventually offices for the athletic department are over there too. And and I saw the early plans and um, I don't know, it just kind of captured my imagination. Um, and I hadn't, um, you know, I'd been kind of giving annually to the A club and what have you, but I hadn't sort of made like a lifetime gift and things like that. And I thought what, you know, I, I couldn't imagine a better way to, to kind of get involved. And so, yeah, I'm involved in that. I'm, I'm pretty darn proud of it and I'm, I'm pretty happy about the progress they've made. We got to keep going. They got to raise a lot of money. I think it's uh, all in 90, 90 million plus, but they've made a lot of progress lately with, um, I won't name names, but with some very um, 
generous individuals who's given given a lot of money and um so if you're out there listening folks um you know there's a big big opportunity to uh to help help the athletic department out and help make Nike stadium you know great for the next 50 to 100 years and i i, I think it's a great plan and and i'm like i said i'm really excited about it i guess it's in a way is it you giving back to the program a little bit or no do you do you look at it that way or no well i mean i guess i do because for me you know i credit all the success and business that i've had um i i credit right back to army football i really do it's the number one influence on my life um and so yeah it's giving back but it's also I just think about those experiences out there on the football field for these young men that are preparing them for later experiences in life that may be battle, maybe business, could be a lot of different things. And that process, that whole experience, I want it to be world-class all. And, and if you look around at Army, um, there's a lot of world-class facilities. The weight room is, is fantastic. You know, a lot of the stuff they've done on on the home side is 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 great. The you know the indoor practice facility is just stunning. Um, but I thought I think this is maybe one area that is is not quite as you know high speed up there. And um, and so why not? I think it's a great great project. And and if I can give back by being part of that, I, it it definitely makes me and it makes my family feel good. And, while my son is a, at the academy now is a good time for that. Um, and um, yeah, so that's that's what it's all about. Nice. Um, just maybe wrap this up with a little bit, um, bring it back to current and, and how, how you how you feel about this team, this this 2021 team coming into, you know, they're only a couple of days away from opening up the season. Um, we talked about a little bit um, before the podcast and during the podcast about, you know, some components that they have for this team. And, you know, it's a team that won nine games last year and returns a lot of stuff. I think I tallied at one point 38 guys who started a game last year or back on wow, this team wow. this year. And that's just to me, granted, it was a COVID, COVID year where guys might have been getting a start here or there. But, I mean, that's an incredible number. They bring back a ton of experience. They bring back a lot of solid players. Um what, what, what are you looking forward to about this year's team? Well, um, really everything. I mean, it's a pretty exciting time for Army football, and I'm so glad Coach Munkin has stayed on with us. Um, um, you know, obviously the depth, um, I think the defense. Army football, it's interesting if you look at the, the wishbone era, there's a couple of different positions we have to be strong, and we've got to be decent in the secondary. And I think he may have one of the best secondaries that he's have he has here, um, so that's exciting to me. Because then what you can do is you can play more man and put bring more pressure, which is critical if you want to make big plays and and um, you know uh, get get the offense the ball. So and then the other thing I think is critical every year, first game I sit and I watch the three interior offensive linemen. I know everyone is like talking about six quarterbacks and what have you, but. Those six quarterbacks can't do much if the guard, the center, and the guard don't move the nose guard out of the way and create seams for the fullback. So I think you'll you'll learn a lot about this team, especially against a tough team like Georgia State. And um, you know anybody who knows much about college football these days, 
knows that Georgia State is a big time upcoming program. And you could see what was happening there last year. And they're going to be tough. It's going to be a tough game. So watching what we do to those, and I don't know if they play not or even front, but to those interior linemen um, early on in the game. And if we're getting movement, if the fullback is getting yards, I think that's a very good sign for the overall season. If they're if if we're if we're having trouble, you know, it, it matters. If, if if their nose guard is the super stud, well, then maybe it's just because, you know, yeah. their nose guard is a god, and we can't do anything about it. But um, you know, it's critical in wishbone to open up those interior holes because it it leads to all those other opportunities, and so that's where I'll be looking. And and I know we've got this. You know, the center's coming back with some experience. We, we, we I think we graduated four starters, but you you just said it. Um, there's more guys that have started a lot of games there. So yeah. I'm hopeful you're going to see that movement um, in the interior line. I thought like there might be, I could be wrong, seven offensive linemen that might have started returning guys that might have been in games last year as a starter. Right? That number could be a little off, but still um, you look at the guys that you're talking about, those guards are Noah Knapp and Dean Powell. And those yeah, are guys yeah. who have all seen, they, they've seen the field. Um, they played a little center every once in a while too when they needed to in, in, in games. Noah Knapp certainly has been on the field for some key moments, and so has Dean Powell. So those seniors now, uh, it's it's their time to uh, you know. Usually, I know that Coach Davis was saying he wanted he would like to have depth on the offensive line, almost like a hockey line where he can roll in five, take out you know roll in five, take out the starters, but. I mean, when you're going on those long drives, those, those you know, 16 to 20 play drives, you're not substituting offensive linemen. No, 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 no. no. So, I mean, I those mean, guys, get... It's amazing, by the way, those guys are, are so big. Um, that's one way the game has really changed. You know, all those guys are close to 300 pounds. Um, and and so, yeah, I, I did take note that, the, that the, a lot of those guys in there are seniors, and that gives me – a lot of hope that um you know normally the seniors can really be relied upon they've learned they've gotten big they've gotten strong they've got game time they've had starts under their belts and so uh hopefully we're we're knocking back those georgia state interior defenders and uh creating some creases dominate the ball you know the deal ball control yeah. ball control ball control so I'm always watching the quarterback in those openers. You know, I'm always watching like the offense. So now, Rob, you're you're going to get my focus to those three guys now uh, on, the, on that first series, and I want to uh, now I want to see what they're going to be able to do because, uh, uh, like you said, Georgia, Georgia State's pretty formidable. Um, they have a lot of talent coming back, as do a lot of teams do on Army schedule. So, um, man, it's a good test. It's a road test. It's away from Mikey Stadium. They had a lot of success at Mikey Stadium under Jeff Munkin. Um, see what they can do on the road against a really good team. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, really appreciate you coming on tonight, Rob. Thanks. We really appreciate uh, you sharing your your memories and your thoughts on the current project and your time uh, after West Point. Um, this this podcast will be on the pod, podcast, plat, all major podcast platforms in audio form. And we also have a YouTube channel, Black Knight Nation, where you'll be able to rewatch this podcast. Um, just any any final thoughts for you, Rob, before before we uh, wrap it up? Well, I just want to, uh, you know, tell you thanks a lot, Sal, for what you're doing. I think it's great, this Black Knight Nation. I, I watched a couple of the other podcasts and it's, it's great to hear from a lot of these guys who I know over the years and hear some of their stories. So, so thank you. And um, thanks for having me on and uh, go army. Let's uh, beat Georgia state brother.
Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Rob. All right. Take care.